day, my partner uh, was annoyed with me because I told her to meet me somewhere and I wasn't there when she got there, right? And when she comes to me with that and starts saying, hey, I need you to you know, be where you're gonna be because it's annoying, it triggers the same mechanism that I'm in danger and that I'm being attacked, even though in reality, I'm safe, right? So that fight or flight response gets triggered and then I have a choice, Lee. I can either train my nervous system to hold that and shift and pivot and, and, and have a conscious conversation with her, or I can blow up and rage and project. Welcome to the 1000 Day Sober Podcast. My name is Lee Davey. I'm not an alcoholic. I refuse to be anonymous. I am someone that doesn't drink alcohol. And I spend every waking moment of my life helping other people do the same. Like right now. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. All that malarkey. 2021 doesn't time fly when we're having fun, ladies and gentlemen. And what a great time of the year to stop back in a bat and to start being someone that doesn't drink alcohol, right? And if you want to do that, we've got your back. There's a number of ways that you could do that. Uh, at the end of January, beginning of February, sometime around that mark, we're going to be kicking off our latest group workshop, Strive Method for Addictions. It is going to run for six months. You're going to absolutely love it. It will change your lives. Testimonials on tap if you need them. If you want to learn more about that experience, and if you've been li listening to this podcast for a long, long time, and you're yet to reach out to me to take action of this nature, then email me at one sober at gmail.com. That's the number one, 1K sober at gmail.com. And ask us some questions. And uh, another way you could do it is just head over to the website, www.1000daysober.com, and you can ask us, uh, you can book a choose yourself call and we'll have a chat about it. Or as my daughter says, what, 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 1000daysober.com. I like that. Pretty cute, huh? Um, the other thing you could do if you're not ready to take the leap and jump into a workshop, then we have reopened our Strive subscription, our Inner Sanctum. Okay, it's £40 a month. You get to, yeah, join our Inner Sanctum, uh, join our private Facebook group where we are really getting deep talking about all the things around life and about alcohol and building our rocket and flying to Mars and all that kind of stuff. You'll get access to a weekly coaching group uh, coaching call by myself where you can go undergo laser light coaching uh, yourself and you will be getting access to all of our workshops as well. Uh, one a month with our 1000 Day Sober team uh, free of charge and we'll be running periodic workshops or I will and you'll be getting 50% off that price. Okay, so that's £40 a month subscription and uh, if you want to join that then either head to the website or get hold of us at 1kdaysober at gmail.com and we will make that happen. Okay, Anything else I wanted to say before that? No, that's it. Okay, right. When do you need to apologize? What is the best way to apologize? What happens after you do apologize? You've certainly had these kinds of questions running through your head when you've grown up under the toxic masculinity mindset. So what should you do about it? 
In this episode, Michelangelo answers these questions and more as he joins us to talk about toxic masculinity or shadow masculinity, as he prefers to call it. He tells us how he came, how we came into this mindset and how to overcome it. Michelangelo also discusses the different tiers of masculinity and how we can deepen our relationships. Tune into this episode to find out how you can step into leadership and erase the toxic masculinity mindsets. Here are the episode highlights, how our survival mechanism becomes toxic masculinity, using leadership to overcome triggers, how to apologize, uh, learning more about the shadow side and the conscious side, three stages of masculinity and the three stages of femininity, trust in your own leadership, the need for chaos to evolve, living in the darkness of shadows, and how to manage the important state of catabasis. Uh, Michelangelo believes that we're all born with a purpose, a gift, a medicine in our hearts, and it's our duty to fulfill that mission while we're here on earth. Uh, through his coaching, he helps people access a deeper embodiment of their power and live out their purpose. The work he does is focusing on getting people out of identification with the survival self and into identification with the divine self. And if you want to learn more about Michelangelo or hire him to work with you, then head over to the podcast page at www.1000daysober.com and you'll find all of the links to get hold of this lovely man and uh, get to know more about him. So without further ado, I will leave you in the capable hands of Michelangelo and I look forward to your emails at 1kdaysober at gmail.com to find out more about our Strive Addictions workshop that starts in January. Thank you. Michelangelo, we are live. You're in Costa Rica, right? I am, brother, yes. My wife is always telling me she wants to go there and I just keep wondering... This is interesting, actually, because me and you've just been on a call together where I've had some coaching. And one of the things that came out of that is like, I'm super negative all the time. <laughs> so here's, let's start with that, right? Because um, yeah, I want to talk beautiful. a little bit about toxic masculinity. And so when my wife wants to go to Costa Rica, she thinks of like uh, the jungle, she thinks of the animals, she thinks of the, the weather, the beach, the sea, just a, just a much beautiful lifestyle, right? When I think of Costa Rica, I feel of a jungle, I'm going to get eaten by a tiger. I think of the sea, I'm going to get eaten by a shark. I think my daughter's going to get some illness yep. and nobody's going to be able to deal with it. The food's going to be shit. I'm going to get mosquitoes. Like, Beautiful. what the fuck? What, what's there's going that, on? There's that survival brain being activated, bro. Control, right? Yeah, man. 100%. And you know, Lee, I love that you brought that up, actually, because... I felt like a little, like it was like a little bit of a joke, but that's actually really uh, a really valid point. Cause bro, when I landed here in Costa Rica, I've never lived, lived outside of the States. So right. for me, I actually, all the things you said for me came up because my inner protector came online. When I walked into town with my partner, I was like on alert, looking around all of these stories, all of the stories of fear and how when our uh, fight or flight gets activated, the mind can take something and just fucking run with it. Mm. So for me, I was like walking around in constant fear. And now 10 days later, I'm walking around in the same area, like laughing and playing because I'm realizing like, okay, I'm not actually unsafe. I'm not going to get robbed at gunpoint anytime I walk out. I'm not going to like die. It's, it's like, uh, so I had a chance to actually break through some of those stories. Okay, so so let's lean on that a little bit. What you're saying is 
there's a part of our biology that is designed in a good way for us to make sure we're not going to get eaten by a shark, eaten by a tiger, mugged by somebody. So there's that aspect of it that is good and positive and healthy. But there is also that aspect of it. If you don't get control of it and build some boundaries around it, it can become toxic and it can throttle your ability to to be and to live and to experience life, right? 100%, man. You hit it on the head because uh, that mechanism, that like survival mechanism served us for thousands of years. You know, if you're a hunter gatherer, you don't want to get eaten by a fucking tiger, but uh, we still have that, but it gets triggered in, in social situations mainly now. So this segue for us into um, masculinity and talking about, you know, toxic or shadow masculinity, because, you know, for example, uh, today, my partner uh, was annoyed with me because I told her to meet me somewhere and I wasn't there when she got there. Right. And when she comes to me with that and starts saying, Hey, I need you to you know, be where you're going to be because it's annoying. It triggers the same mechanism that I'm in danger and that I'm being attacked, even though in reality I'm safe. Right. So that fight or flight sp- response gets triggered. And then I have a choice, Lee. I can either train my nervous system to hold that and shift and pivot and, and, and have a conscious conversation with her, or I can blow up and rage and project. So mm-hmm. this is how something that once served us is now keeping us in an unhealthy pattern sometimes. Does that make sense? It does. I, I'll, I'll share another story with you, and then maybe we can pull the thread and see where it leads to give somebody who's mm-hmm. relating to this some tools or techniques maybe to help them kind of get out of it. So we've just been on a call together, as you know. It was um, like personal one-to-one coaching with specific people from Preston Smiles, who's uh, one of the world's top coaches. And going into this, he had specifically asked me to, not specifically asked me to go on there. He'd set up the space and I said I would be there. And he said, you are number two. I'm going to work on you number two. And I'd never worked with him before. Okay. So then when I get on there, and then he says, has anyone here had coaching with Zion, who's another coach? I misunderstood it. And, and I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, I got coached by him the other day on a group call, but not laser one-on-one coaching, which I'm, I've showed up today to do. So, mm-hmm. I, so I'm going to do this. And, and if you remember, I jumped in, right? So he was like, who's yeah. going next? I'm like, I'm next because this is my spot. And then people started to remind me that I had coaching the other day by someone else, basically calling me out for taking up space, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got super triggered. So I got activated in the same way we're kind of talking about. Yes. And I got really angry. And I, do you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to leave. Yeah. I, I was like, I'm fucking done. I can't concentrate. I don't want to be in this space. I can't believe you're treating me like this. Just, I'm, I'm done. I don't want any, and, it, and, and then my child started to come out. So, yeah. so yeah. what do you notice there? What I would ask you, Lee, is do you see that pattern show up in other relationships, specifically with your wife? Yes. And it all boils down to people believing that I am somehow morally or ethically in the wrong. And that mm-hmm. that really triggers me. So if somebody is making an assumption about me, like I call like like that is like I'm a liar, right? Like I've I've lied or I've I've somehow cheated the system and that hurts yeah. me like a lot. Yeah. So here's here's what, what I gather from this lady. Here's my perspective on this whole thing because 
as like, I'm someone, I'm an embodiment coach. I work with men and women, but right now, uh, you know, I'm running a group program for men called men of purpose. And, and a lot of it is around relationships is around this thing specifically like this. And I'm, I'm have been in this work specifically relationship work like this for years and it still shows up for me. So I'm, I'm right here with you, bro. But, uh, what I've learned in my own experience is when we're triggered in that way, it actually feels as if we're, we're being potentially attacked, like physically attacked that we could actually be in danger. The heart starts going adrenaline. We get all the signs that we're actually about to be in danger. Right. And this is carried over from childhood brother, because as children, 99.999% of people do not grow up in emotionally safe and healthy environments. So what happens is we have reference points in our unconscious mind that says, oh, when these triggers happen, when the adrenaline goes and the heart starts pumping, something horrible is going to happen. So you either fight, you run, or you freeze, Hmm. right? And so we have these patterns um, that we... Uh, these survival patterns that that are hardwired into our brain from childhood. For me, as a child, my dad was a rager. He was a fucking screamer. He was a drinker. Uh, I I was an alcoholic and abused substances for many years in my life as well, which we could talk about. But but the point I'm trying to make here, just to land the plane for you, is that my reaction to because what I would label that Lee is confrontation. Someone mm-hmm. perceived you to do something and confronted you, not saying it was right or wrong, but that was the situation, right? And for me as a child, whenever confrontation arose, I learned to collapse. I learned to collapse and hide and withdraw. That's one way to go. And as men, the other way that usually happens is anger, rage. Okay. You want to fuck with me? I'll show you. I'll show you who you're going to fuck with, right? That's what wants to come out because it triggers the wound for many men. It triggers the wound of, am I like man enough? Like it it can be perceived as an attack on one's own, like a value of self, right? Is that landing for you? Does that make sense? Yeah. The the best way to put it that I can think of it is actually, um, it's like, it's like I'm a, I'm a knight with a code of conduct, a very specific Mm. code of conduct. And if you suggest that I am not that knight with that code of conduct, like, whoa. And then, yeah. And I mean, I think it's like, like when I was younger and people used to call me a chink. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is very different. That's not around morals or ethics. That's just, why is this kid kind of like thinking, you know, that's being different. Right. But yeah. when I would yeah. go to my dad or my dad, actually, when I would cry to my mom and my dad would see me crying, he would say, what's fuck? What's up? And then my mom would tell him. And then my dad would say, tomorrow, when you go to school, you go up to that kid and you smack him. And you do not come home until you've done that. So I was designed from a very young age to use violence whenever I was threatened. And I think this chivalry side of me that kind of grew from somewhere, the response to being my chivalry being threatened is also violence. And now today that violence is not with my fists, it's with my, my tone, my, my voice and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's super common. And for me, the question becomes, okay, there's two things. And we talk about this, Lee, a lot. As you know, we talk about this a lot in the coaching that, that you and I do, um, that we're involved in together. And it's about leadership and how really being a leader and, and like, like you did, you jumped in, like you were called forward. Who wants to go next? Lee, I'm here. You led, you went first. Mm. And when we lead, a lot of the times it can trigger other people. 
And you can be the perceived villain, not the actual villain, right? But the fucking perceived villain. And you could also be the perceived hero. But, but leadership, one piece, is about detaching from both of those and being able to hold your center and hold our ground and, and continue to self-source our own validation, self-source our own sense of like, I know where I'm coming from. You can perceive me the way you want, but I know where I'm coming from and that's okay, right? And the way that I have found to really integrate this is it's one thing to say, it's another thing to blow it has been through various types of ways to train my nervous system. So some ways I do that is breath work. Some ways I do that with, with myself and men is Kundalini yoga, being able to hold painful positions in your body and breathe through it and focus on keeping my heart open, even though I'm in fucking pain. And because pain for me triggers anger, it's annoying. Like I don't fucking want to be in pain. Right. And so it triggers that, that part of me that wants to fight. And that part of me that wants to mm, project and, and, ex and expend this, this energy out. And I can be with that and find out, okay, how can I tap into my heart here? And I found that, um, I can then carry that practice over into like actual live situations with people. Mm. Yeah, I like that because when I, uh, when I, the, the reason that I said that I, I got derailed because I stopped the coaching call, didn't I? And say, Hey, I just want to say that I'm, I'm off point. That was it for me. Like I, I didn't have the ability to get back into it. I just wanted it to end very quickly. And then when it, when yeah. it did end, I then go into this kind of spiral of, Oh, I need, so like, uh, this, this girl who was, uh, on there was likely going to miss out because I took her spot. And then I'm kind of, then I go into this, this thing of, um, I need to make this right. I need to apologize. But then there's this talk going on inside my mind, this conflict, which I want to ask you about, because uh, I want to make sure that where the toxicity is here, if it is here, the mind then is then saying, well, no, like that person should have, I got there because I got there. And do I need to apologize for that? So I'm having this debate in my head around how best do I apologize do I have to apologize? How do I apologize? What happens if I apologize? And all this shit goes on in my head. Whereas what you're saying is if I come out of that experience and I actually do some breath work or some meditate or just stillness or do a stretch like in Kundalini yoga where it's like painful and I just have to feel, then maybe that is going to be enough to kind of break this and bring more clarity. I mean, what, what do you think? There's a lot to unpack here, but I think this is a case-by-case -case basis. And the way to go into this, I would say, is to see, first of all, where are you coming from? Because that's what Im what's important. Uh, it's not the actual, like, what happened so much, that's a factor, but just where you're coming from. Like, why do you want to apologize? Is it coming from a place of wanting this person to like you and, like, not be mad at you? Because we could call that people-pleasing. Or is it coming from a place of, like, you know what? I'm looking at this action I did and I realized that it could have been out of integrity and I just want to own that. So first it's about seeing which, which place like energetically you're coming from. But, um, what I personally do in these situations is before I even like decide and go into any of that, I shift, I clear the space clear the space and clear my energy because I'm already coming from a triggered place. I'm already coming from a wound. So that means my solution is going to be from a wound as well. So what I do in that place, I will do something like um, some quick breath work, taking maybe like 10 to 20 deep 
mouth breaths of continuous breathing. So right when I get to the top of my inhale, I go right into the exhale and vice versa. So it's like pulling in air. It's not this like little, like pulling in as much oxygen as you can for 20 breaths. You'll get lightheaded. Right. And then <laughs> it's really interesting. Just, <laughs> I like, I like doing that. Cause I'm, I'm still a little bit triggered now. So, yeah. you know, I, I can see how I would um, exacerbate things. And this is why I, yeah. I, I actually do this in my relationship where I'm, I'm getting better at it, you know? So where Liza will want to put space in between us when we've had a conflict and I will want to get it over and done with straight away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now where, where I sense that from and linking this to the meeting to answer your question, the girls have missed out. I genuinely feel bad that they missed out and I want to apologize to them from a place of the fact that I feel bad that they missed out because I took their place. The people who commented who had nothing to do with it, I want to apologize to them because I'm seeking approval, which I think is toxic. And, and I can see that um, I'm training myself now, obviously, like to see approval, control, and security, like the, the three main wants you know, that drives all human kind of desire in nature. I'm practicing that intently. Yeah. So I think that there's a slight language shift that I like to, especially with men, like there's this whole idea of toxic masculinity, right? And sometimes I use that word, but what I'm, what I'm feeling into here and, and more recently is I like shadow, shadow masculinity. Why? Because it might sound like semantics, but it's more than that. Because toxic has this energy of shame. And sometimes, bro, like mm -hmm. we're just human, no matter how, if you're a brother and you're in this work, I don't care how long you've been in this work, sometimes you're going to be fucking human and you're going to mess up, right? Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. And so if I go, oh, that's, that's this toxic part of me, it automatically creates this separation and this disowning of it and this shame. So, I mean, it happens, bro, but... A question to ask, and then we could get into a relationship because you brought up uh, lies and stuff. A question to, to sit with for yourself, I would say, if I were you, is do I, to evaluate of, do I need to um, apologize? Like, do I feel that I, I was out of line? Not based off of what anyone else thinks, but this is calling in the masculine discernment because the feminine is the emotion, right? The feminine is the, oh, this person thinks it's that way. This person interprets it that way. And the masculine is the witness consciousness. So if I can tap into my masculine, do I feel if I'm not coming from like a bias, do I honestly feel like what I did was out of alignment? Because for you, Lee, if I was you, I know I never got laser coached by Preston. I know. Yeah, I got coached with Zion, but I, it was on a big group call. It wasn't a one-on-one. -on -one. So I know for me, um, this is, this was my time, my you know, my spot. My my and, um, and, and then that becomes, um, a, a whole different practice, a whole different practice of being able to just hold the energy. But these are the things, uh, to bring it into relationships, right? Like these are the things, um, of being able to lead in relationships, because if you're, if, if as men, if we're holding the masculine polarity, which is, doesn't really have anything to do with gender, but most men hold the masculine polarity in relationships The most women hold the feminine and the feminine polarity is going to, there's going to be a lot of uh, emotional waves that come and go. And it's not logical. That's the thing. Like as guys, we think like, but she said this thing and now she's saying this, it's because it's the feminine is emotional. It comes from the emotions, the heart. And as men, we want to immediately fix, like you were saying, we want to immediately fix. We want to immediately solve the problem. We want to immediately, if, if a conflict arises to dissolve it, 
But what I'm asking you and what I'm inviting people listening to in their, in their life is to practice holding it. Can I hold this in my nervous system? Because I can feel it because I've been there. Liz. I've done the mm. same thing that you did. I took up space and someone said I shouldn't be there on, on the laser calls. Same exact right. thing. And right. Can I hold this in my body and not let it? Oh, shit. Oh, my. Okay. I got to do this. Mm. I got it. Right. Because that is coming from the childhood psychology. Right. And so this is how we can begin to just hold the energy and then make a, that's why I'd say do some work, do some breath work, do some release and movement because we can clear our mind and the energy can be moved. Like emotions is actual energy in motion. So we can, when we can move that in our body, we'll be able to have more clarity on what is my choice for this next step. You know, mm. what is the greatest good for all involved here? I like that. It's like um, stepping outside of yourself and being a witness of how your emotion is unfurling. So kind of like, oh, Lee, you're super triggered right now over this. Isn't that interesting that you are mm. super triggered right now? Like, how is it feeling? Like, oh, it's in your gut, it's in your back. You know, what's going on for you, Lee, brother? You know, like, it's like having that kind of conversation will really help. I mean, I mean, what, to answer your question, like, where does the apology want to come from? I, I think... Um, I don't really know the answer, and I appreciate your guidance, actually. I'll tell you a, a story on this. So many years ago, I worked in the rail industry for 20 years, Michelangelo, and I was um, an area productions manager at the time in charge of a, a big team, and we would go to a senior management uh, event in Doncaster every couple of months. And I was, the, I was the guy who always put his hand up. I was the guy who always wanted to talk. I was the guy who always wanted to take up space. And my HR manager at the time, her name was Josie. She said to me, Lee, I want you to do something for me today. I want you to not put your hand up. I want you to not own the space. I want you to not say anything. I want you to give other people a chance. And I got very defensive and very angry about that. But I did it. And then afterwards, she said to me, Lee, next time, please speak up. Please say something. Please feel Because nobody kind of stepped up, right? So I've always been aware that I take up space. Lies has told me in the past, Lee, you take up so much space. You, you demand so much space. It's so exhausting. So there's an aspect of me that is like, I need to give other people space. And then there's an aspect of me that's like, why do I need to give other people space? Why can't they just take that space? <laughs> right? So, but and then that leads to like, well, do I need to apologize? I don't know because I can't answer that question. So, so Lee, can I offer something here? Please do. We'll come back to the apology because it's not really about the apology. No, it's not. No. Um, it, it is and it isn't. But here, what I'm hearing is there's two different, for any action, because we live in a world of duality, there's going to be a polarity. There's going to be a shadow aspect and a conscious aspect to it. Okay. So if you want to be seen and there's a part of you that expresses, there is a shadow side to that big expression and there is a conscious side to that big expression. Okay. Because energetically, and you can let me know if this is true or not for you, it might not be, but this is just from what I've seen in my mm -hmm. life. Energetically, I'm feeling as I'm listening to you that that part of you that wants to take up space and be seen can be coming from a wounded place and be coming from a place of, I want the attention. Please see me. Please look at me. And so it's this, it's, it's, it's a shadow polarity. And I'm not saying that that's true for you, but I'm just using it to illustrate that um, being seen and taking up space can come from this kind of unintegrated place as opposed to, you know, if I'm taking up space just because 
I'm really, I own who I am. I value myself. I know, I know my worth and I'm here. I'm not going to hide. Like I'll, I'll be seen, you know, I'm here. That's a different type of taking up space. It's more grounded. It's more, you can feel it. You can still feel it. It's still in the room, but it's not forcing itself on. Do you feel that difference? It's yes. not. Yeah. 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 I mean, to, to build on that. So the, in today's meeting, for example, when somebody was being coached, I typed in the chat a response, but I looked at it and the response was about me, not about the person who was being coached. And I stopped and I was like, oh, how does this serve that person right now? And I was like, it doesn't. Why did I, why am I doing this right now? And then I, I, I decided that it was coming from the shadow. It was coming from a place of wanting people to see me for, uh, what can we call it? A less than empowering reason, right? So Definitely. There are times when I've spoken up where I want people to recognize me and think that I'm intelligent emotionally and IQ wise to realize that I've lived a certain experience, that I am worthy, that I am chivalry, chivalrous, right? Definitely seen that. And then there are other times where I'm like, I think this could really help Michelangelo if I tell this story, but definitely there's a dance there. And I guess the key, right? is awareness, like even having the awareness that there is a shadow side and that you might step into it, right? Yeah, and I just want to celebrate you for even just seeing it in the moment because that's huge. And what we're talking about, Lee, this is all super fucking nuanced. It's all Mm. very subtle, right? And that's why relationships um, are the ultimate, in my opinion and experience, the ultimate evolutionary container, romantic relationships, because... Mm. All of your shit's going to come up, all of it. And you're going to get to see this. So I think this is a great moment for us to bring in a piece around the there's three stages of masculinity and the three stages of femininity, if, if you're open to me. Yeah, that. go for it. Yeah, Because it relates to what we're talking about. Okay. So this is taken from David Dita's work. Um, I, I've studied a lot of uh, David Dita's work. Uh, John Weinberg, one of my mentors, uh, you know, both my mentors actually worked with John uh, for a long time. And so I bring this into a lot of the uh, men's work. I think this is going to be a module in uh, my group program in January. But it's the three stages, uh, the three-stage relationship and also the three stages of the masculine and feminine. So the first stage, which is the what we could say the least evolved, not in a sense of better or worse, but just in a sense of integration and level of, of depth of consciousness. Okay. So level one is the old paradigm of masculinity. It's like the macho breadwinner, right? That's stage one masculinity. It's like just all of my value is uh, derived from my bank account and my job status. And I get to treat my family like shit because I make the money. Fuck everyone type of thing, right? And the stage one feminine is the housewife. It is the submissive housewife, okay? Self-explanatory. Stage two is the, the kind of like the feminine in the workplace, like uh, asserting herself in the workplace, you know, maybe working for herself, having a career, all those wonderful things. But it's still masculine, masculine, masculinized. It is like the feminine putting on the cape of the masculine, right? Mm-hmm. And stage two masculinity is like kind of like the, the flowy boy, like the soft, flowy boy. Like, oh, I'm not going to step on anyone's toes. Maybe I'm a crystal healer. Maybe I'm like, 
you know, like a songwriter or something, but I'm not going to like uh, rock the boat too yeah. much. Right. And most men and women are somewhere fluctuating between one and two for most of my life. I was in that, right. I was, mm-hmm. I was the clo boy for a long time because I was scared confrontation, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. So when we begin to do these practices and you get comfortable with confrontation and get comfortable with being wrong too, as men with being wrong, you know, and being like, okay, fucked up. You're right. And, uh, being able to open the heart. Right. And stage three, this is where like the rubber meets the road for men. This is where we, we are depth of consciousness. We are, I see you, I see you. And I'm going to say the things that might make you uncomfortable because I'm not here to people please you. I'm not here to, to like go under the radar. I'm not here to be fucking overly political, politically correct all the time and in line and perfectly zipped up. I'm here to speak my truth Hmm. from, from a place of love, not from a place of domination, from a place of, I think my truth will serve the highest good. I'm here to express divinity for the highest good. And if that means ruffling some feathers, so be it. That's what it is for, for the men. And for women, it's opening their heart to love, being the feminine radiance, the power of, of, of the feminine expression, which is pure devotion, devotion to God, right? And this isn't religious. I just mean like you could say nature or whatever you want to call it, some sort of intelligence. But um, the reason why I'm bringing this up, Lee, is because um, in these situations, we get to choose which state we're going to operate from. Right. And I know for me, there are times where, where my partner triggers me and my stage one man wants to come out and just fucking tack and mm-hmm. dominate. Cause I know, Hey, when it push comes to shove, I'm the power here. Like I could be the physically, like I could be the dominating cause I'm the man and I'm like physically stronger. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not in an in integrated place, it's not a conscious place. Right. So now, now that I've trained my nervous system, I can hold what she brings to me and not fucking blow up. I'm not saying I do it perfectly, but I can come and say, you know what? I hear you. I hear you, honey. I love you. And I agree or I don't agree. I'm not going to try. If I genuinely agree, I can own that and say, hey, you're right. And if I genuinely disagree, I can own that and say, hey, from, from my heart, this is my truth. And if you don't agree with that, let's work here because I'm not here to just please you either. Does that land? Yeah, I mean, I've got a, a question. Is the um, the demarcation there between the masculine and the feminine? Are you are you being gender specific? Or are you saying that that is a more of an energy thing within each gender? So we both have we have both within us, but everyone is going to have a disposition or or like lean more in one direction. So most of the time, most heterosexual men, most straight men are masculine. You can be a straight man that is mostly feminine. It, that's, that can be true for you too, but generally, straight men are more in the masculine energy and straight women are more in the feminine energy, generally speaking. But we do have both polarities within us and it's not necessarily gender specific. Mm-hmm. But the way we hold attraction in a relationship, the way you keep the spark alive in a romantic relationship is holding the polarity. My partner doesn't fucking want me to agree with her. Even if that's what she says, even if that's what she says, she wants me to be a man and hold my truth because I hold the masculine polarity, but I, I can still admit when it's wrong. Right? So it, it is a dance, 
But when we hold those two ends of the spectrum, is that's what creates sexual attraction. So this is like really interesting again, because let's um, again, I'll put myself in the, the spotlight here and we can use myself as a real example. Liza laughs at me, actually. She says, you get more free therapy through your podcast than anybody. She, she said, it's always about you. I say, well, I know it's always about me, but I really do think if someone's listening in, that it will really help them to understand it when you give them a real life example. Um, so on this call, I said to Princeton that I gave up my involvement in poker about four weeks ago, right? And to put that in perspective, you're talking around 75,000 pounds a year. I just said, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it caused, yep. caused a rupture in my relationship with Liza because she wasn't, didn't feel like she was involved in our decision, right? And then ever since then, I said on a call, I've been living in stage one masculine energy and it's been bleeding out. And it's been affecting everything. It's been affecting my relationships, affecting how I spend my time with children. It's been affecting my business and all that kind of stuff. And the thing that Preston said to me, which I, which stuck to me, and I don't know if you heard it, was he said, in your relationship, you're 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 very shaky. Yeah. You're very shaky yeah. as a leader. Yep. And she can sense that, and she's not going to trust 100%. you. Hundred percent. Give me your mm -hmm. feedback on that. A hundred fucking percent, bro. So here's the thing. Well, first things first. As men, we lead, but we also counsel. We also have advisors. And as your partner, as your woman, it's understandable that she would be pissed if, if you didn't consult with her. That's understandable, but it's in the past. It, it is what it is. You, I'm sure you owned it and, yeah. and you can move forward, right? But the way I per interpret this as she is holding up a reflection for you, Lee, of what's already within you. Because you, that's, there's some part of you that doesn't trust your leadership. And she can fucking sense that she can women because they're the emotional, they're going to see through the facade and feel it. That's why you can't fake through masculinity. It's, it's either you you're embodied in it or you're not because it can be felt right. And it is a word. There are, you know, levels to it, levels of embodiment. Right. But um, when we, it creates a feeling of unsafety. She feels unsafe because she can sense your wavering mm. in yourself because when you can be solid and, and go, no, I got this. Trust me. We're good. Yeah. It will actually turn her the fuck on and she'll get wet and ride mm. with you because she knows you're not, you're not just saying that. For example, for example, brother, when I first, when I was about to move out of my house this summer, right. Like, uh, uh, very dysfunctional home, emotional. And uh, my partner, I'm still with, we were going to move out together. Right. But I took all the money that I was going to move out with and put it into Kaboom one for, I took like everything and put it into, into, into Preston smiles coaching. And she's like, Oh shit. Are you sure? And she was scared and she was testing me. Hmm. That's how the feminine tests the masculine. They will test you. And that's what you're saying. You're, what your wife does like, Oh, see, you shouldn't have quit. She's testing me. She's hmm. testing your leadership. What is right? your plan? Yeah. What is your, plan? what is your, and she, yes. And she, uh, tested me and she tested my, uh, my, my strength, my ability where I said, I said, listen, do not worry. I will make this money. I will triple my money, double, triple my money. By the time this is over, I, I, there's no other way. It's not going to be another way. Cause I don't care what the fuck I have to do. 
that's what I'm going to, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, Oh, never ask me about it again. Never mm-hmm. again. Right. And it, this isn't to say, Oh, look at me. It's just to say there's an energetic difference between really trusting your own leadership. So this is really a question for you. It's a practice of trusting your own leadership because then there's no, there's not even a need for a plan. There's not even a need for a questioning of a plan because she'll know that wherever you lead her, you got you guys, like you're good. Whatever happens, you'll make a way out of no way. Like it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter where the plan goes because I will lead wherever we go. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to just cap that off to like what Preston asked me, wasn't it? He said to me, have you always made sure that there has been food on the table and a roof over your family's head? every month of this year. And I said, yeah, and I've earned more money this year than I have at any time in my life through a pandemic. So yeah, it's, um, so that's what he's after is that strength is that, that unwavering kind of masculinity to say, no, I've got this, but, (laughs) and here's the thing I think, I think which through is my journey into the feminine, right? So Listen to this, right? So this is this is my plan. I've got this. Leave it to me. The universe has got my back. I'm just going to think like it's happening. It's going to happen, right? Like there's a little part of that the way she wants a little bit more. So I'm, I've kind of leaned too much more towards kind of like flowery, where actually mm-hmm. she needs a she needs that, but she also needs but and this is the structure and the plan that I have in place and the actions that I'm going to take to make sure that the universe takes care of me. Like, mm-hmm. so I have to act like the universe is just, I'm just not going to say I want a Porsche and then a Porsche turns up. Like no, no, no. I need to take action as a result. I need to put the thought out there, but then take some actions to make sure that happens. And I think at the time of me making these decisions, I didn't get that. I didn't dovetail. Right. And now I'm, and that pushed me into a place of scarcity and, and then everything mm-hmm. started to go wrong. I, Everything yeah. that could go wrong in like, went wrong from the right. moment right. that I got scared. Right, because because you're then in that consciousness, and I, this I'm is getting a- it back. Yeah, I'm yeah. It's, it, the world is just giving me like, oh, you 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 feel scared. Uh, you feel uh, we'll send you a lot of scared people. You you you've got you you don't think you've got no money? We'll send you a lot of people who've got no money. Um, you want to get angry? Yeah. You want to get angry? We'll send you a lot of angry people. This is this is beautiful to touch on, Lee, because. What we're talking about here to just bring the lens back is witnessing the feminine, witnessing the flow, because you can be in a place of, I got this, but then things come up and it's like, well, do I really got this? And then mm. the voice comes up, but, but look at this, like, what if it doesn't happen in this way? No way. And what that is, that's your own feminine, right? So as, as grounded masculine men, we need to also hold space for our own feminine emotional waves. And, and to not identify with them. And this is the lesson that I've learned, same lesson, brother, in the past few months with my own business, to not identify with the lulls in the business and not uh, allow the, the voices of my emotional reactions to drive my decision-making and to drive the energy I'm coming from, right? So this is about calling it back in and, and making a practice of like, okay, look, have I put money on the table every month or so. Fuck yes, I have. Have I taken steps in my business? Do I have a, a way 
to get more clients in the door, to make more money in the business? Do I have a way to do that? Yes, I have a process to do that. And it's worked before. It might not be working now, but that's because it's evolving. It's being called forward into a new evolution. And let me identify with the evolution instead of the, the fucking, uh, the waves here, right? Let me, let me view this setback, this perceived setback as a set up for a greater expansion than I've ever experienced. Cause here's the thing, Lee. And like, here's the fucking thing, man, for any living system to evolve, you are a living system. Your body's a living system. This nature that's around me, we live in an ecosystem that's a living system. All the cells in your body are, are yours. That's a living system. In order for your business, it's a living system. In order for any living system to evolve to a higher level of order, there must at one point be an input of chaos because there's, there's, you have coherence, you have order, mm-hmm. and you're at, at level one. There's no other energy to evolve. It used all the energy. So chaos comes in as an input of energy. So there could be a level up. So mm. any, all of the things that we perceive as bad and scarcity and all the things, it could also just be perceived as, okay, this is a growth point. This is chaos coming into the system. So it cannot be evolved. I got a couple of things to say on that. Okay. So this book, if you, if Love you're uh, that book. If you're not listening, oh my God. If, you're, if you're not watching it, Iron John by Robert Bly. Mm-hmm. So this morning when I was on the pot toilet getting rid of some of my bodily fluids, I was learning about the Greek term katabasis, mm. right? And you've just described it. So in the Iron John story, he's talking about the prince who's got all these, all the things in a world he wants and these gold fingers and a gold, 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 gold. He has to almost like hit the proverbial rock bottom in order for him to really turn into a man. So, yes. so what you was ex- explaining about out of the chaos comes um, a great turnaround, right? So same type of thing. So like when I was having my meltdown, I wrote a post in our private Facebook group, openly criticizing people and criticizing the structure of the program that we're in. And my buddy said to me, holy shit, Lee's just about to have the biggest fucking breakthrough of his life because she could, she could see I was on the fucking, she could see I was in the gutter. She said, this, this guy is so in the gutter. He's blaming everybody for his problems. Just around the corner is his breakthrough. And I want to add to that as well, before I hand you the mic, there is never a failure. All right. There's never a failure. It's just not here yet. So what I mean by that is working in a corporate world for 20 years where you get a paycheck every month makes you think that the rules around paychecks is that they will arrive every month. But what if they don't arrive every month? What if the universe is saying, okay, Lee, we're not going to send you any clients in November. We're not going to send you in clients in uh, December, but in January, we're going to give you a hundred of them. And then we're not going to give you any in February because we know you'll have too many, right? So what I'm thinking here is you actually get yourself into a scarcity mindset and drive yourself into level one masculinity or level one femininity by not challenging your assumptions about how the world works. And I love uh, the 15 conscious, uh, the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. Um, the, the commitment that I read last night was everything you believe is true. The opposite untruth is also true. And get yourself into thinking that. So 
I need $10,000 a month to pay my bills. Do I? No. I need $120,000 a year, or I need $120,000 the month before, or what would happen if I had nothing this month? Do I need it? What would happen? How would my life change if I had no money this month? I don't own this home. I don't pay any rent on it. Somebody else owns it. They, I have family. They will feed me. I've got clothes. I, got, I don't have to go anywhere. My computer will still work. So challenging those assumptions and having that awareness and that capacity allows you to see when you're in catabasis to go, oh, wow, fuck, I'm really struggling right now. Brilliant. Something's fucking great is going to happen. Over to you. Yeah. Yeah, man, 100%. And uh, if I remember that book correctly, that was Iron John was the book that started my own mentor journey. I fucking love that book. Um, and it actually did it. Okay, no, I was sober at that time already. I was thinking, um, so Catabasis is essentially like living in the ashes. It's like yeah. living in, in the darkness of, of, of being in the muck, the shadows. And what comes out of that is gold. What comes mm. out of that is a diamond. What comes out of that is something that wasn't there before. It's like another force gets added into you, right? So that's the input of chaos, like we were saying, right? That's mm. the input of chaos. And um, yeah, this is, I would love to tie this in because I know, Lee, that you're a recovery coach. And I know I mentioned a few times, but um, I had a struggle with addiction, uh, mainly alcohol and marijuana, like severe uh, for a while, I was sober for two and a half years. But uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think so many people going through the throes and struggles of addiction experience catabasis or a dark night of the soul. I know I did. And for me, I needed to go through that in order to like cultivate the certain aspects of myself that I needed to do the work I'm doing today. Right. Mm. So I need to go through what I went through because I'm helping people go through, you know, who've, who've went through similar things. And to just anyone in that space, just know that the worse you feel, the closer you are to the breakthrough. The darker <laughs> yeah. it is, the darker it is, the closer you actually are to your soul, the closer you actually are to like touching something that's going to completely transform your life. Right. And for me, the catalyst at that time was getting sober. So I would recommend if anyone's in that dark place, like to, to hit up my brother Lee here, because for me, that was the thing that allowed me to, to really start to go through the process of, of evolving, of taking all the things that I've been through and, and integrating them and, and, and turning it into a full world. Yeah, he mentions in that uh, passage around Katabasis that alcoholism or any form of numbing is usually an indication that you're in catabasis. I mean, one of the uh, challenges that we get at 1000 Days Sober and something that you know is always in my mind, and I'd love to have your thoughts on it as well, is how do we avoid a state of catabasis and still grow? So bear with me a second, right? If anybody wants to do the Strive Method for Addictions, our six-month workshop, they, they have to get through me first. <laughs> and what that means is we need to have a talk. So I need to, I need to make sure that you're ready because I, I don't want to waste my time or my coach's time working with you if you're not going to do the work, if you're not ready to change, right? And one of the big problems I have is so many people come to me and they 
have not experienced this state of catabasis. Yeah. So, so because they haven't experienced this state of catabasis, they haven't felt enough pain for them to put their hand in their pocket and pay for coaching. They haven't felt enough pain for them to tell their wife that they have a problem. They haven't felt enough pain to commit six months of their life to do really hard work, which is really sad because then they leave and then they inevitably hit catabasis and then they come back or they die or they hang themselves or they shoot themselves or they just lose everything in their life. So my constant thought is, how can we avoid this? How can we somehow, as coaches, help somebody to experience catabasis visually, to viscerally feel it, almost like Joe Dis- a la Joe Dispenser, I guess. Like, Because we always say, like in sobriety, in order for you to be someone that doesn't drink alcohol, you've got to really feel what it's like to be someone who doesn't drink alcohol. And the only way that you can do that sometimes is by projecting yourself into the future about who you're going to be, how you're going to feel, what your life is going to be like. But don't just think it. You've got to connect it to your emotions. You've got to fucking feel it. Like when Michael Phelps, you know, part of his training, I happen to know this um, because I interviewed on a podcast the other day, the guy who lived with Michael Phelps, part of his, a big part of his training was just sitting down thinking that he was fucking nailing it, was sitting down thinking that he was winning Olympic gold medals and his body didn't know the difference. So if we do that, if part of the work is you need to really feel what it's going to be like and you need to want really want that with some passion, we need to flip that around as well and be able to go into the future and feel the fucking pain, feel the catabasis. And say to yourself, okay, how can I experience it visually, viscerally, like, you know, not visually, but, you know, like internally without me having to fucking go through it. And then I can do all this stuff and work on this stuff. And when I do eventually end up going through a form of catabasis, I got people like Michelangelo in my corner. I got people like Lee in my corner. And I'm not going to run. I'm not going to pick up the shotgun. I'm not going to get the noose because I'm surrounded by these people because I got there at the right time. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Um, I know it's a tough one. No, it, I ha, I'm, I'm super clear on what my truth is here. Um, and it's probably not what you expect. But for me, the question is, do we really want to help someone avoid catabasis? Do, is, that, is that really of service to them? Maybe, maybe not. But the question is, from our limited human perspective, it's clear, like, yes, we want to fucking avoid that shit. And I'm coming from like my, my best friend of 18 years, my closest thing I've ever had to a brother. I was friends with him since I was four. We were raised together, committed suicide four years ago. I was going to do the same thing. So I'm not coming from a place of like, oh, I've never experienced the darkness or I haven't been affected by suicide. Mm. Like, no, I fucking lived through that shit. And I still wouldn't trade it. Why? There's no, nothing fucking else on this earth that would have given me the gifts that that experience gave me because it was from my soul. Catabasis is from the person's soul. And sometimes the soul, what is trying to come through is so strong that the person can't handle it in this lifetime and they commit suicide or they overdose or they do something else. And that is really unfortunate. But from a soul perspective, from the larger infinite perspective, is it really of service to that person's infinite journey to pull them out of the experience? In, in my opinion, it, it has to be someone's, it has to be their like conscious intentional choice of like, you know what? I'm feeling like shit and I can see where this is going to go if I don't get help and I'm ready. 
I'm ready for this leap. I'm ready for this, Michelangelo. Like, I'm here for this work. But it has to be a conscious choice. And that's the painful part is like, you and I, we can't make people want this. We can't uh, give people the desire to want to change. And unfortunately, some people um, go into the into this state and don't make it out. And um, perhaps, perhaps, maybe, maybe not, you know, that is what their soul needed in this incarnation in order to shift something. Perhaps. That's just my perspective. Thanks for sharing that. I think um, what, how, that get, how that changes my thinking is people who turn up who are in catabasis or have just experienced catabasis, it generally becomes a fit problem. Do I gel with you? Do I gel with your program? Do I have the money? Do I have the time? Those are normally the things. Do I gel with you? It's normally the money. Like, do I have the money to be able to do this or not? But when you've gone through catabasis or you're in catabasis, generally, if you're going to have a call with me, you're signing up to work with me, right? You're signing up to join, join because you really need help. Okay. So I just offered an opinion that how could we help people prevent catabasis? And then Michelangelo said, no, well, you would then lose all the richness and the almost like the soul work that the, the kind of like the gold that's going to come out of your own pain and suffering whilst you're in the darkness while you're in the shadow. So what comes out of that in Michelangelo is something key and something I got to think about when I'm talking to people is to recognize that they haven't experienced their catabasis and maybe strive method of addiction doesn't just become a place where we're going to help you to overcome your addiction. It is a place that helps you to experience your catabasis from a place of support and in a loving, beautiful yeah. container. I just, I just got, got chills. chills. I just got chills. Holy <laughs> shit. Bro, because that was, you, you know what's yeah. happening here, Lee? You know you what's happening on my in this right now? A third is entering. There's a third mm. force coming through us right now. And that wasn't just you speaking. That was spirit source, whatever you want to call it. Because that's the thing, man. I would have paid what you just offered. I would have given every fucking penny I had the shirt off my back for someone to sit with me through what I was going through and not try and fix me or change me, but just hold me and say, brother, I got you. I'm not running. I'm here with you. Let's work through this together. Yeah. We can do yeah. this. And I, I can't do it for you, but I, I'm going to fucking stand here with you, by you, or, you know, with you. Um, and that is so fucking powerful. That is like a unthankable work. Like it's beyond gratitude and thanks that type of work and if you think about opinion. where that come from just then that comes from two people operating in the third tier of their masculinity because it's so easy for you to have been in your third tier of masculinity me to be in my first tier and got defensive and judgmental that you have a different point of view of my catabasis point of view i don't have the yeah. communic i don't have the communication skills to disagree or agree with you so i stonewall go quiet or i hide my truth instead of going yeah. oh like i just said how can i find a truth in what i perceive yeah. could possibly be an untruth and then mm. it's like oh and then you've got this win-win scenario that just creates something quite beautiful yeah beautiful Before awareness man yeah. boom before I let you go, um, tell people what they can expect. You've got this uh, group running in January, yeah. and you yeah, can run so, it more, more and more after that. If people want to yeah. join it or one afterwards, what are you offering them? Um, what are you going to do to them, and how can they uh, get hold of you to get involved? 
That's what's up, man. Um, so all of my work is through Instagram. Uh, my handle is at it is Michael Angelo. It is Michael Angelo. That's my handle. All my stuff's there. You could contact me there. I have a men's group called Men of Purpose starting in January. It's an eight-week program. We're going through a lot of the stuff we just talked about, integrating uh, the childhood psychology, stepping into leadership, deepening relationships, holding the polarity and living out your purpose, right? So all of that beautiful stuff. I have a few spots open for it, but there will be more. I also do one-to-one coaching, embodiment coaching. I work with men and women. Um, And I really just help people, bro, really simply. I help people clear away the shit that's in the way from them of them shining their light. And it looks different for everyone, but that's essentially what I do, man. And lastly, just to wrap up our conversation, I also want to say that you can evolve through love. You don't have to only evolve through pain. We can also evolve through love. Just want to leave that on the table for everyone here. But yeah, I would love to connect and thank you for having me with me, Charles. I uh, love it. And um, if you want to learn more about Michelangelo and you, you're running somewhere around the block listening to this, then first of all, get your headphones off and run in stillness. Uh, let yourself think. Uh, secondly, go to www.1000daysober.com. You go to the podcast page. You'll find Michelangelo with his beautiful face and all his bios and everything and links there. Um, and one more thing I want to say before I go, if you're a woman listening to this, going, ah, that was a fucking waste of time. Why do I want to go and join Michelangelo's program for? It's just about men. It isn't. Um, there are so many people right now in the Stride Method for Addictions, women who are who are married to men who are in the tier one of masculine energy and it's affecting their lives in a very, very difficult way. If you could learn more about what and how your man is functioning, I think you could show up more and I think that you could help um, just by the way that you interact with this person who's stuck in tier one uh, masculine energy. That's not taking this responsibility away from him, but I really think a greater understanding of how men operate will really help women. So if you're a woman, go and join Michelangelo's group as well. Michelangelo, it's always great to see you and have a conversation. I wish you have a wonderful day in Costa Rica. Don't get eaten by a fucking tiger and don't swim <laughs> in and get bitten by a shark. All right? Love you, bro. Thank you. Just another reminder, folks, that if you want to work with Lee Davey, that's me, and the rest of the 1000 Days Sober coaching team, then get over to www.1000daysober.com and book yourself a choose yourself call with me or a member of the 1000 Days Sober team so we can see if you're a good fit to take the Strive Method for Addictions course, the Strive Method for Relationships course, or just join the Strive Support team. And if you're feeling in a really, really serving mood, please rank and rate our podcast at whatever podcast platform you do, or spread the word around social media and tell people to come and listen to us. Thank you very much. Love you all. Bye.